Our Country, a country music podcast series with Sally Ann Witten, talking to the big names in Australian country music about their career, life, and the industry in general. Written and produced at 1287 2TM Studios in Tamworth, New South Wales. Welcome to the next episode of Our Country, a podcast specifically designed for the Australian country music industry. My guest today is celebrated and literally very celebrated as we speak. Just won another golden guitar last night. Luke O'Shea, uh, singer-songwriter extraordinaire, storyteller. Hello. How are you, Luke? A bit chuffed <laughs> for that introduction. Thanks, Sal. It's all true. I speak the truth. Uh, great to see you pick up another golden guitar last night. And, um, you know, you really are one of our most celebrated storytellers. I don't think there's too many people that can really get to the human emotion and the landscapes like you do and it's a very particular skill so tell us a little bit about how you started out writing your own songs ah oh, look at to uh, it always comes back to your parents you know and, yeah and their record collection yeah and um I actually thought country music was a form of punishment as a child. <laughs> you wouldn't be alone there, I don't think. I was going, please turn this off. So what sort of country were you exposed to when you were a kid? Well, i got to say it was the, the absolute kings of the story. Yeah. Uh, like Tom T. Hall, Rocky okay. Miller, Chris Christopherson. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Charlie Prides, Charlie yep. Richards. It was obviously, it was majority of it was American, but then there was the Slims. You know, and uh, that, you know, you hear your own vernacular being sung back at you was very interesting. Um, but then my parents' record uh, taste didn't just stop with uh, with country music. It went into all the kind of great music of that 70s, you know. The Creedence Clearwater was, it really spoke to me on a deep yeah. level. I just loved it. I remember as a child just holding up Cosmos Factory and going, play this yes. more, and turn it up. But then you had, you know, you had the Neil Diamonds and the John Denvers and the uh, Van Morrisons, and it was just went on. Harry Chapin's. It was a great era for music, wasn't it? it, it they were just, it was just incredible. And, you know, my parents, particularly my father's constant retort to me whenever I would complain about, <laughs> you know, a certain style of music, you go, just listen to those words, son, just listen to the words. Mm-hmm. And because there was no way in hell he was ever going to take the record off, or, you know, or change the cassette, it was... Um, you had to listen. And uh, through doing that, you know, my imagination would take flight. And, you know, once it grabs your imagination, then you're lost forever. Yeah. And so my love of strong imagery and songs and um, just the truth that was there in that music at that era uh, was incredible. James Taylor's, you know, Simon Garfunkel's, it was just, you know... A phenomenal era of music and lyric mm-hmm. and story and yeah. the Dylans and you know the folkies and just Bob Seger even just that passion in there and the Eagles and it, it was beautiful music and so I've got to say it, it really inspired me and um, probably really shaped me into who I am right now. So would you say that and to be a good songwriter you've got to learn about other people's songs first would that be a fair kind of to, to delve into other s- popular songwriters and popular music to see what makes them tick to sort of become a good songwriter and a good storyteller? Do you think that's part of it? I don't know. I think there are certain, you can call them chrisms, you know, as one way where there's certain abilities that you, you, you kind of got, you know. Some people are magnificent at languages. I can't remember. I've lived in foreign countries where, <laughs> you know, uh, and I cannot 
get past, you know, thank you, sorry, and uh, <laughs> please. And it's just, that just doesn't stick where my yeah. brother can, you know, swear and offend anybody in any language Fantastic. at any time. That's quite yeah. a skill. He uses it for the dark, but, they, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is a gift. And there's people that are brilliant at mathematics and the sciences and and people that are make magnificent soldiers and butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. Everyone's got their thing. And I really do believe songwriters uh, in their own kind of category. You know, there's mm. there's a lot of people who write songs, but there's not a lot of songwriters. And um, you, you really identify each other. You can see each other, mm. you know, across the ether, you know, because, you know, maybe it's the same vague look that you get <laughs> in your face. Well, you're bouncing around ideas and people are talking and you're going, huh, ah. and, you know, and there's a melody here and that you might have yeah. heard a turn of phrase that somebody just said or you, it connects with a line that you heard three years ago that you didn't know what to do with and mm-hmm. it wakes you up in the middle of the night and it, that's... That's a songwriter, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes you can kind of ha- be a songwriter and, and have a voice or a, a, an ability with an instrument or, you know, it's just the combination of how hard you want to work at the crafts yeah. that are associated with being a songwriter as well and and the, a lot of the crap that goes with it as well and whether you can <laughs> withstand that. Yes, there is a plethora of that. Oh, yeah. It's, but it's in anything. If you want to try and make a buck out of it, then you're in a business. Yes. And, it's another side of it. And, and business is um, business. Mm. Now, speaking of making bucks out of things, you're, you've been a teacher as long as I've known you, as well as a, a, a full-blown musician. So you've managed to do both and stay doing both. Now, there's, you know, it's funny, actually, when I think about who has said these things to me. There's a little bit of a... I wouldn't say it was a cringe, but a thing, shall we say, for lack of a better word, about musicians. You know, if you are fed income about being a, a musician and making a real go of it, you've got to do that full time. You can't have another job. And it's funny because the people that have said that to me have been a mixture of maybe other artists, actually, now that I think about it. And, you know, industry stalwarts who scoff at you and say look if you were really serious about your music and you want us to take you seriously mm. why would you have a day job yeah. what's your thoughts on that look in a the beauty of australia is is our small population really over such a magnificent spread of land uh the hardest thing about being an artist in that is the small population over mm-hmm. a massive stretch of land yeah that's true and so it's very, very difficult unless you want to eternally stay on that road to make a, a sustainable income as a touring musician if you want to just stay in Australia. If you want to be a full-time musician, great, but move to where there is a population and an appreciation of the arts that can sustain you, you know, and um, that's, you know, that's the States or that's parts of Europe and, um, you know, those opportunities did arrive earlier in my career, but that's not success for me, you know. Success is the fact that I've been lucky enough to be born in this country, and this is not fox calling grape sour. This is a realisation that we live in the greatest country in the world. Diet-wise, climate-wise, you know, attitude-wise, family is here, you know. All my passions are here, surfing, the bush, the, the people. Um, so success is not just sitting on a tour bus, you know, on a foreign continent. It's it's about just being able to pursue passion. And I, I, I'm willing to take the, you know, the need for me to have another job in order to stay in this country and still, you know, when I can, pursue my passion, which is music. And the word passion means at its core, willing to suffer for, mm. you know. And 
every songwriter I know, particularly you know in Australia here, especially, we suffer for our art. Mm -hmm. But it makes us who we are. It gives us reason. It gives us an identity. It gives us purpose. And I got to say, so does my occupation as a school teacher. And I don't see much difference between the two, really. I'm trying to take a concept, you know, yeah. which can be very broad and condense it into a, a, a package where they can somehow discover the message for themselves and do it in an interesting way that engages them and, you know, um, kind of tricks them into learning sometimes. Ah, it's like tricking your kids into eating their vegetables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I've taught everything from kindergarten through to year 12 and, you know, into tertiary education as well. And I love it, you know, it's... Um, it's a, a very challenging occupation at times and, uh, you know, they, they uh, <laughs> sit there and they begrudge you trying to, you know, reach out to them. Yeah. And you, uh, you can understand it because I'm just getting back the karma that I gave my old <laughs> teachers. So <laughs> hopefully I, it is. I can uh, I see myself in so many of those rap bags. But, um, look, it's, I've been very blessed, particularly through this COVID time when all the gigs stopped. I yeah. had that reliable source of income. And, mate, I wouldn't have a home without it. Yep. And I wouldn't have... Probably uh, three children and a family, and uh, because that road's a very hard, long, lonely, lonely place to be, and it yeah. breaks a lot of relationships. Yeah, well. so true. I love the analogy of actually teaching and performing. I think that's perfect. And of course, there's the aspect of crowd control too. Oh, always, <laughs> always crowd control. You know, and it's uh, it is funny because you you identify people in audiences, be it an RSL auditorium yep. or uh, in a classroom full of stinky teenage boys yeah. you know like uh, you've picked out the heckler you've picked out the jaguar you've picked out the engaged ones and then you you got to reach them all somehow and uh, yeah it's a challenge but um, you know in one state in one one arena they can get up and walk out if they don't like it. the other ones you're just going to punish them yeah. <laughs> they don't pay attention That's so right. it's, um, <laughs> it's fun either way so how do you feel about, you know, you've been an artist and I, I mean, in my eyes, you've been completely true to yourself the whole way through the process. Uh, and something that I discovered last night, we were chatting to all the Golden Guitar winners as they came off stage and something that they all said, which was all in common was the thing that they discovered that they all had in common was that they had stuck to their guns and were had perhaps had to search for who they were a little bit but once they'd worked out who they were stick to your guns regardless of what people were telling you that perhaps you're too quirky you're too left of center you're too honest you're too this you're too that not enough of this not enough of that um, being able to drown out that kind of commentary and just stick to what they felt that who they were and that is ironically or probably not ironically but that's um, beautifully where they found their greatest success and I feel like you've done that really well too what's your thoughts on that process of of you know f finding who you are finding your roots and sticking to them yeah well, we've known each other long enough so to see each other's evolutions as musicians and people and uh it's been beautiful to share the road with so many people that you've known for 20 plus years because you do see each other grow and you yeah. see each other's mistakes and you learn from each other's mistakes hopefully um and you know, I listen to those, some of those first albums, and it kills me because I can hear the American <laughs> twang in my voice, you know, and it and the production is just quite poor, and uh, and you kick yourself. You would love another go at yeah, some of those of old songs because yeah. you love the song, you love the, but then you hear your own delivery, and it's what's strange is that you all you almost have to learn to sing in your own voice because 
the majority of people's inspirations do come from overseas, unfortunately. We're yeah. just exposed to it, you know, through this global network that we have through the radio and what have you. But um, so when you're singing, you don't actually realise you're rounding out your vowels and you're... you're, you're yes. Yeah, you, or hey. It's funny, isn't it? And all of a sudden, you, then you go back to talking and you're talking Yeah, like we don't so. talk that way, but we sing that way. I do it myself. Yeah, but I don't know why. Well, because we've been singing along in that, yeah. in that voice all our lives. And all of a sudden you hear something going, I don't talk like that, what's going on? And so when you start finding your own voice, um, that's a pretty powerful thing, but Mm. it's a hard thing because it's, nobody likes to sound their own voice, you know, like you just go, I sound like that, but then you you actually learn to own it. Yes. And I think own, those two words, owning it is just the most powerful thing. two words I can think of I write on the headstock of my guitar because it's about being present in the moment it's about owning who you are owning your faults owning your successes owning it just and learning from both Mm. and so uh, when you see the reactions from your peers you know in a positive light when you've you're following your true path and all of a sudden you're getting this new interest and you go well I must be on some track here and the funny thing about being a performer is also it's you're, you're a visual as well. You, you get your brand, mm. you know, and, and you know that hat's as much as my brand now as my beat up guitar, as yep. my crusty old voice. You know, it's um, it's just you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so once you have got something that you're very comfortable with, the beautiful thing about it is it doesn't matter if you, you, you stuff up because you're going down being you. You're not going yeah. down being somebody else. And and the idea too, that's so true, and the idea that audiences expect a pitch-perfect, 100%, no-mistake presentation of something I think is so untrue. You know, I've been some of the greatest concerts in the world that I've seen um, people like... Um, Neil Finn in Fleetwood Mac forgot the words and everybody thought it was hilarious. No one went, oh, my God, Neil Finn's a loser. Mm. Everyone just went, he's human and he's recovered and who cares? And we'd forgotten about it by the end. You know, Jewel forgot an entire verse and I had to yell out to the audience to sing. So what turned from a, you know, a moment of perceived, I can't believe this woman's forgot the words to her own song, turned into a beautiful moment where the audience got to sing along with her by candlelight sort of thing, you know, with their torches. So... And I reckon that vulnerability, that willing to share who you really are mm. with the audience is what that's... I mean, you can disagree with me on this. No, but no, no. It's, I, it's I think exactly they love right. it. And I think that's kind of our job is to strip back all of the pretentious or all, all the bits covering up who we are and, and get real about it. And that's when the audience, I think, really can identify with yeah, you. Yeah, well, look, well, as humans, uh, like I just call us mistake machines. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I love that's what that. we are. We are. We just we're designed to make mistakes and learn, and we yeah. stuff up all the time. But yeah. somebody cutting you off in their car, yeah, and you want to just throttle them, but you just go, oh, I just mistake machine. You know, we make mistakes all the time, and it's as I said, it's about owning those mistakes yes. and just going. And then the other word is compassion. Yes, and that means for other people, but most importantly for yourself. Because we're so hard on ourselves and you just go, well, I suck at this. I'm not going to even try anymore. Mm. Uh, or I got rejected with this. I'm not even going to try anymore. It's just, okay, I made a mistake. Um, what can I learn from it? And then just let's move forward. Easy on yourself. Yeah. Go easy on yourself. I can just go, okay, let's try it from another angle. And people 
want to beat themselves up, and I've beat myself up, you know, a thousand times and mm. stuff and up. But it's a horrible realization when you discover you're not perfect. You know? <laughs> what? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> well, you are. Oh. But uh, well, the rest of that's us, another discussion. I can see your halo though. Uh, it's uh, remarkable. I think you might need your eyes checked. Oh, sunglasses yeah. on. But um, no, look, it's yeah, mistake machines and owning all the the warts and all. And, yeah. Uh, that helps me greatly, you know, and it's it's in seeing it in everybody else and it's seeing it in myself and in my kids because, you know, they're masters, teenagers are masters of mistakes. <laughs> they know? are. It's and, a big learning time. And But the hard thing is, is to get them to own it, yeah. you know, and uh, be it in a school classroom or at home or, you know, it's um, that's just the, the life we live. Yeah, that's for sure. So... Your um, your latest single, which you won your golden guitar for, Happy Australia Day, which I love. Uh, it's a beautiful, it's an important song. It's so well done. It's r- just tactfully and respectfully put together. Um, now, you were telling me, and Kevin was saying last night too, Kevin Bennett, that you've had people walk out of your shows mm. when you sing that song. So these, I would assume, would be Luke O'Shea fans who love what you do and are used to the type of storytelling and, and the honest, mm. you know, commentary that you provide with all sorts of stuff what what do you say to people like that when you have people walk out because of your perceived statement on a on a touchy subject like australia day what do you want to say to those people uh look for me it hasn't been the walk out but it's been the confusion um where it's you're challenging people's status quo you know and and, uh and when people aren't aware of all the facts then it's hard so what happy australia day intended to do was simply you know it does come under the pretense of happy australia day mm. and people go yeah yeah beauty and then they go and they listen to it then you're mentioning all i'm doing is mentioning nine significant indigenous australians and it was written and the video was made to be a teacher resource to go into the classrooms because as a school teacher, I'm fully aware of how little we teach about our pre-European history mm. and also of our shared history, yep. which is, you know, my job is to sing up this country and our history and a lot of it's magnificent, but a lot of it is shameful. And you've got to own that. There's those yeah, two words again. there it is. And you go, so through owning it, then we can maybe have a better understanding of why we're at where we're at right now and then make, more informed decisions for the future hmm. that will hopefully unite us more and so here was an opportunity just to give everyday listeners the names just the names of nine remarkable indigenous australians that hopefully people might want to explore a little bit further about who they are and what they did and what was the reason for rising to the fore hmm. and in doing so they gain a fresh perspective and that's an indigenous perspective of our shared history and it's not a good one. Yeah. And so for us to pretty much demand that they celebrate as a unified country on a particular day, which is the day when the First Fleet raised the Union Jack in Sydney Cove, 26th of January, 1788, we, that marks the start of an invasion. For mm. them. It's mm-hmm. the start of a war and the start of the annihilation of everything that they knew. I don't know any other country in the world that would want to celebrate the start of a war and then demand that you have a united day of celebration. I couldn't agree more. And so you're going, look, it's I'm not 
hitting anyone over the head with a political agenda. There's no social movement that I'm associated mm-hmm. with. My job is just to give you the facts yep. and then make your own damn decision. But, you know, there's so much confusion out there because of our lack of education within the school system and the curriculum. And that's what we're trying to set about to change. And I really do feel like that 99% of the response from this song, which is a challenging song, has been incredibly and overwhelmingly positive. Good. Well, that makes me feel very positive. And i got to say, the people that did have the problem with have called back like weeks later sometimes and said, damn you. Really? Because they now get it. Wow, okay. It's like, I didn't agree with it. It channeled me on a deep level. Yep. But um, you're right. I can't argue. It's a start of, you know, no matter which way I put it, it does represent. And so you, it is, once you, you can have your initial revulsion to yeah. change. Mm-hmm. That's just natural. But if you take it that one step further and actually learn, then you can't argue with truth. Yeah. Isn't that great, though? Music's such a powerful tool, and it's a great way to get, I don't want to say get around those people, but to present the facts to them in perhaps a little bit more of a a non-confrontational way that doesn't challenge them quite so much. You know, you're not arguing with them. You're just going, well, here's a thing to think about with it in a song. (laughs) Just listen to my song. And, you know, and I'd love that they've come back to you with a change of heart. Yeah. That's great. uh, And... That's who it was written for, you know. Yeah. And as, as I said, I really want it in those classrooms. And, you know, and it, and it is going into the classrooms. And it's what's been touching is uh, to see kids react with, with tears, you know, when oh. they've discovered the story. Oh, really? Of some yeah. of these people, like the heartbreaking story of Truganini or, you know, the fascinating stories, you know. Because they aren't taught. They're not taught. I had no idea. When you put that song out and I saw the film clip, I'm ashamed to say that I had to look up probably half of those names. I didn't know who they were. Yeah. But I did. I looked them up and read the story and it was. I was ashamed of myself that I had never heard of them, had never been taught that in school. You know, these should be household names. They should be. And yeah. in having them as household names, then we do have a new perspective of our combined history and therefore change will follow. Yes. Well, music's a great tool for that. I love that we're able to combine yeah, the two music industry. You put industry. all that story in a four minutes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you want to go on guitar. Oh, mate, <laughs> well no, deserved. Mate. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what I know that you do a lot of work with other songwriters, um, and you do a lot of work at the DAG with um, John Casulia and Kevin Bennett and lots of other amazing singer-songwriters. How do you feel about the, the concept of working with other writers and um you know, mentoring young people, how important do you think that is, um, not only for them, but for you? Do you find that that uh, helps you grow a little bit as a songwriter? You know, connecting with so many different styles and Beautiful. people of different stages in their careers. Yeah, how it. do you feel? It is such a special place out there. And, you know, there was another golden guitar that uh, came up last night with Liam, I think, and Shane Nicholson. Yeah. You know, and uh, we saw that process unfold and it was hilarious. Uh, you know that it got to the award stage and it was just beautiful to see that we have such a iconic respected musician with such a uh, a talented but incredibly unknown and very green young student yeah and all of a sudden he's on the biggest stage in our country music night of nights and he's just going this is the power of song yeah and the power of collaboration i should say yes 
And the collaboration comes from, like, I love it because I'm introduced into everybody else's world. Mm -hmm. There's things that I know nothing about, but all of a sudden through writing a song, I'm in that world. Like, I've been a returned Afghan veteran. I've been a rev head cruising the streets of uh, the Sun South Beach Strip in Wollongong. I've been uh, a thousand characters, you know, that I couldn't possibly be just as me yeah great you know i've been that woman is lonely in a a house the driver's wife i've been these things and that that comes from you know this collaboration thing where you bring something to the table which then enables either it can be from your heart cell or can become from your head or from your auntie story or your something your daughter said or it's just you don't know where it's going to come from. And mm-hmm. then you're sitting with these people, particularly when you're doing uh, like a, a retreat and you've got a set amount of time, three to four hours to write this song. And it always seems to happen. You know, I've written songs with nurses and, uh, you know, and waitresses and truckies and cowboys. Fantastic. And it's, you know, teenagers and old men and old women. It's just, I don't know, I... I'm gushing because I cannot find the words to express just how incredible it is and what a gift it is to be invited into somebody else's world and make it your own and find a way to tell a story and create the imagery um, that wasn't there before. Yeah. So would you have any advice for anybody who's perhaps, you know, got a swag of songs and they want to make that next step into being a semi-professional recording or what would be the best advice that you could give them? Uh, Keep recording. Yep. I would say always record and keep listening to yourself and annoying everybody. And just remember that nobody sounds good recorded into an iPhone, not even Celine Dion. (laughs) But just keep recording. There's so many great programs out there and digital recording packages that you can keep recording and just keep making those recordings as good as possible. Yeah. Because in listening, you don't exist until you record it, basically. You can be a a bedroom musician and and write as many songs as you like, but if you're not going to share them with people then they're just for you. Music's made for people. As soon as you write it, it's to be shared. Mm -hmm. And so when people are in it, show the inhibition, then it's not going to go anywhere. Like, the way I kind of explain it, like, um, I don't think there's a better metaphor for a person who just radiates their truth than a star. You know, there's no inhibition. You can't half shine if you're a star. It's all or nothing, Mm. you know. And so if you are attempting to write something that you hope is going to inspire people and then shine be proud of it just radiate it don't be ashamed of it don't half shine don't you know bury that gift just here it is unashamed and look for the feedback look for the knocks because we're mistake machines Mm -hmm. learn from the mistakes own the mistakes and then make it better apply it a different way try another chord keep on like I've made this metaphor before about writing songs. It's um, probably goes back to your, your your last bit about the collaborations. It's it's like building a house. You are first of all deciding on where you want to do it. You're trying, you're choosing your genre. So you, some people want to build a house in the mountains or on the coast or in the desert or in the forest. You know, it's just where do you want to have this? Where do you want to be? Where's your home? Rock, pop, country, yeah. jazz, blues, you name it. 
then you've got to figure out your design. What kind of song do you want? Is it the first so- song in your set? Is it going to be a, you know, you aim for your chakra. Where do you want to hit? Do you want to hit the hips? Do you want to hit the heart? Do you want to hit the throat emotion? Do you want to hit the brain with imagery? Do you want to hit, you know, the crown and just hit that spirit? You know, where are you aiming your song at? Is it an opener, a closer, a, a one to lift you out of a head Yeah, song? okay. So you've got to really deliberately think about what kind of house you want to construct. Then you've got to think about your ability on the tools. What you know, how many tools have you got? Like, uh, how many chords have you got at your disposal with a guitar? How competent are you at your instruments? How competent are you with your tools of your trade? Mm. You know, and your voice, how, what ranges have you got, you know? And so you then work with people's ability with their own tools. And so, you know, it might be two chords, you know, but you work it and you, you're, with every, within every song that you write, I always try and push it past my or past the person's level of comfort each time. Might be a vocal line which goes puts them into their head voice. It might be a new chord which, you know, takes on a diminished, you know, a seventh in there somewhere. Like and yet understand the number systems of the chords and mm-hmm. what chords will follow each other and feel good or where's the chorus gonna lift that's gonna be a four. What's the key gonna suit your voice where you smash it out? So there's many tools at your disposal. So it is, it's a construction of a house and you deliberately must be focused on what your craft is and then have the discipline to see it through. Mm. And it's a discipline and it's a job and you must work at it and see it through. Yeah. And once you've done that, you know, shine. Don't, buddy, be ashamed of the thing. Get people to say, can you give me a perspective? Hey, get a chance to have a listen to this. Give me a chance to have a listen to this. And value, just make sure you harp on them that you want the criticism. Yeah. You want critique. Yeah. You don't get it any better by people going, that's really wonderful. Yeah, don't ask your mum. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was at a great saying the other day, like, um, calm seas never made a skilled sailor. Yes. Yeah, that's true. You know, so you just want that, you know, give it to me and I'll work hard. And yeah. then I locked, you know, particularly with me, I, if I wanted to perform it, you know, I locked myself in a room for a long time and just mindset, just visualise it, you playing in front of all the people that scare you the most. And practice it and practice it and practice it and sing it and play it and sing it and play it till all the muscle memories in there and uh, you just own it. Yep, that's the that's the trick, isn't it? There's the words again, own it. Yep, life lesson. Life lessons with Luke O'Shea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only through making a lot of mistakes, kids. <laughs> mistake machine. I'm a mistake machine. <laughs> <laughs> but you are full of wisdom and uh, it's been fabulous to have you as a guest for our podcast, Luke. Oh, We've got some really fun. great insights into all sorts of things from songwriting to crafting, you know, music careers. And um, thank you for sharing all of that with us. You're welcome. Hopefully it helps somebody out there. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you've helped me. I'm going to go home and write a song right now or finish one of the 50, 100 I've got in bits yeah, of scraps around the house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, yeah, the attitude is like if you're going to do it, it has to be better than anything you've done before previous. So, And if you feel it's not going that path yet, abandon. Go into it. Try something else. Yeah, Come just, back to it. Yep. Or find something that you really love from somebody else and go, oh, I like that. I'm going to take a piece of that and put it in here. And You know, it's the... Uh, inspired attempt to copy that uh, leads to originality they say and that's an interesting perspective Mm. it's a fine line though do you think well it can be it can be but um, you usually find that your personality will come into it 
and your experiences will come into it, your sound and your tonality, and it'll just become something completely you. Shape it your own way. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, another great hint, Luke. Thank you so much. It's been great to Pleasure. catch up. And you know, if I come back next year and you've got a song called Happy Australia, <laughs> that'll be really cute. You took that too far. Oh, you've <laughs> read my mind. Yes. <laughs> Luke O'Shea, a very special guest for our country, the podcast specifically designed for and about the Australian country music industry. Luke, thank you so much. My pleasure, Sal. Thanks, mate. That is Our Country, a podcast all about the Australian country music industry, written and produced at two Studios in Tamworth, New South Wales. You can get more details and listen to other episodes at 2tm.com.au.